I remember, it must be about 15 years ago now, I was pastoring a church as a children and families pastor, and I was told, Pastor Mike, you're going on the mission trip with the men. We need somebody on staff to go. The mission team wants a pastor to go. And they told me, it's you. I had no interest at that point with really little kids to go on a mission trip. But nobody else wanted to go, so I got the short straw. The mission trip was to go and build a house for a family in Mexico. Really incredible family. Uh, the gentleman had been injured, was in a wheelchair, and couldn't provide income, and couldn't get into the house, all sorts of issues. The team going was a group of guys, professional engineers, people who did home renovations for a living, or others who were highly skilled, and those that weren't highly skilled were a bunch of alpha males who all felt they should be in charge. <laughs> so I went along, and we get there, and there's all sorts of construction projects to do. I'm like, okay, I could help out. I, I can do something. Now, I'm no expert, but I do fancy myself as being fairly handy. My wife has not banned me once from using power tools or doing renovations on our homes in 20 years. So I think that's a fairly good sign, either that she's incredibly patient and gracious, or that I know how to use a hammer and saw without hurting myself too badly. A little bit here or there, I got a few scars, but that's, those are beside the point. So, you'd think I'd fit in. So in this group of guys I was with, of which I was the youngest, I believe, the roles were given out. Some people were making walls, others started working on the roof that didn't exist on this stone house. Uh, others worked on putting windows in holes in the wall that were, had no windows at that point. I think three of the guys made themselves foremen, their conversations were interesting. Everyone was given a task but me. Memories of grade five sports and being picked last came back to me at that time. And finally someone said, you know, Mike, why don't you go, go and dig a trench in the dirt over there? <laughs> I smiled and shrugged. And I committed myself to digging the best trench these guys had ever seen. Oh, it was a beauty. It was a dirty task. But once in a while, I'd be asked to go get something or do something else. And I realized pretty quickly, they just saw me as the helper. Don't get me wrong. I was happy to help. But I didn't really have much purpose for being there with this group of highly skilled and capable builders and alpha males. They knew it. I knew it. I was just the helper. Have you ever been the helper? Anybody relate with that? Nice to have around when something's needed, but kept on the side, out of the way until then? I'd forgotten about this experience until I started writing my sermon this week. This first sermon in this series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who's the third person, of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, a divine mystery that is so core to our faith. One of the Greek terms used for the Holy Spirit is that of paraclete. We see it in John 14 when Jesus promises to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come after he ascended to heaven. John, the gospel writer, shares in chapter 14, 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. That word helper, that's the word paraclete in Greek. Now, it gets translated different ways depending on the translation you have, and we'll get to that. But I intentionally chose the English Standard Version because it translates the word paraclete as helper. I think one of the challenges of the large parts of the church is that we view the Holy Spirit as a helper in the same way I was a helper on that mission trip. Something not really necessary, but great to have around if something's needed. Maybe even sometimes in the way and an inconvenience. That might sound harsh. But author Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. It's a book on the Holy Spirit where he calls on his readers to examine how we think about and relate to the Holy Spirit. He feels that if we had never ever experienced church and just read scripture, the Old and New Testament, we would have significant expectations on the Holy Spirit. Instead, the Holy Spirit can seem to be the mostly forgotten member of the Godhead whom we give the odd recognition and shout out to. We seem to think that by calling the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit is lesser than God, Jesus or God the Father. Rather, the third person of the Trinity is solely referenced the odor of revelation in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is fully God, not lesser than the rest of the Godhead. And we're told when we come to faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, but there does seem to be expectations that our life in the Spirit should look radically different than our old life did. But we seem to feel that we shouldn't have expectations that the Spirit makes a difference. That's different than what Scripture shows us. The John passage we read makes that clear. We should have expectations. Jesus is saying he is sending us the Holy Spirit. This is no small thing. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, is telling us he is giving us the Holy Spirit to help us. In John 16, Jesus says it is to their benefit that he's leaving so he can send the Holy Spirit. That's how great a gift the Holy Spirit is. Think about that. We're better off with Jesus gone and having the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the guy who walked around healing people, raising people from the dead, giving sight to the blind, teaching radical lessons, and he's saying, guys, you're better off with the helper I'm sending you than you are with me. Does that not communicate expectations? Incredible expectations? So when we call the Holy Spirit the helper, what should that mean to us? It should mean something more than an optional resource we can utilize if we need to. You see, the word paraclete can mean helper, but not in the optional assistant kind of way that I felt on that mission trip. More in the sense of helping us by advocating for us. Helping us by giving us something we need, a guide in our lives, something that is essential to our very walk as disciples. The Spirit has come in place of the physical, 
bodily presence of Jesus in our midst. As you read the book of Acts, you see the early church intentionally seeking and responding to the Spirit again and again. The church can only follow Jesus Christ as much as it intentionally chooses to respond to the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The Holy Spirit, God's helper, is an advocate, a counselor even, who suggests and prompts us with God's truth in contrast to the world's truth. That means if we are seeking the way, the truth, and the life, if we're seeking Jesus, and we're seeking to follow Jesus, we can only follow Jesus in so much as we are listening to the Holy Spirit. To listen to the voice of Christ in our lives is to listen to the Holy Spirit Christ sent to us to be with us. One of my favorite theologians is Gordon Smith, and he writes, To be Christian is to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to respond to the Spirit, who transforms us into the image of Christ. So why do we engage so little with the Holy Spirit? Why do we talk so little, listen so little, depend so little, look suspect on people who speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? Because we sometimes like, whoa. A little too charismatic over there. Time to back up and go eat some food. <sighs> Why do we hold the Holy Spirit at a distance? Why do we forget about the Holy Spirit? I would suggest that we forget about the Holy Spirit because we are afraid. I think we're afraid our expectations that we see in Scripture won't be met. We lack faith. But I think more realistically, we're afraid of something even bigger. I think we are afraid of giving up control. We as humans have a problem, and it's a problem that's always been there since almost the beginning of humanity. We think we are good enough we think we can understand everything, control everything, be anything, do anything. Yes, we say we're sinners saved by grace, but within that, hey, I'm a pretty capable person. I've got a brain, I've got, I'm mobile, I can do things, I'm great, I can do stuff, I'm okay. I'm in control of my life. Can you relate with that? Look at Adam and Eve eating the fruit in the garden because they felt they should know everything. They could know everything. They walked in the garden with God. Think about that. They're walking in the garden with God and they're like, wow, you know, I deserve something more. I deserve to be like God. I'm going to eat the fruit. And we look and say, well, that was stupid. Yeah, we do the same thing. And it goes on throughout the scripture. The people building the Tower of Babel to reach the heavens because, hey, we can do this, so we should. Or Israel, hey, God, you let us out of Egypt. It's taken too long. Let's build a golden calf and worship it and say, that saved us. They decided, hey, let's build our own God because we're in control then. Or how many times did Israel turn from God to do things their own way? How many times did Israel turn to idols or other gods rather than depend on the God who led them out of Egypt and saved them? 
because they had control. So they did that. How about the Pharisees in the New Testament who created their own rules so they could control holiness and ended up persecuting God incarnate because he threatened them and called them to turn to God? Again, they wanted control. The list goes on and on and continues into our own lives. We in North America have the ability, resources, and will to do seemingly whatever we want. We like to be in control and are sure that our way is God's way. So why do we need to listen to the Spirit if we're so in control? Because we're not all that. We're not as good as we think we are. No matter how in control we are, we're not. We have no way of making a right relationship with God on our own. We've been trying for hundreds of years. It doesn't work. God did, though, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So no matter how successful we are in this world, no matter how smart we think we are or skilled we think we are, no matter how likable or lovable we are, no matter how popular we are or how good a leader or worker we are, there's nothing we can do to restore that right relationship with God or to fix this broken world. And we know this. So what do we keep trying to do? We keep trying to play God. We keep trying to live life without God. That's the story of humanity in Scripture, this incessant need to act like we are God or don't need him. Eating the fruit from the tree, building the tower, creating idols, to position ourselves over others. It's an age-old problem and one still relevant today. Maybe it's a matter of degrees, but that's what we do in our life. That's sin, folks. Sin is our way of saying, God, I don't need you. I can do it my way. But I want you to consider, if you're thinking, well, Mike, that's really not me. I want you to consider how self-sufficient you are in life and faith. And when we turn to self-sufficiency and faith, thinking we can understand everything, we can do all the right things, have all the right practices, I read my Bible for half an hour a day, I spend five minutes in prayer in the morning and at lunch and in the evening, and I do all the right things, that's us saying, hey, I've got this, I'm in control. But not, if we do all that, but not seek the leading of the Spirit in our life, we're in essence making ourselves like God rather than submitting to God in our lives and seeking his leading in our lives. No matter how you look at it, the call of Scripture again and again is to turn from the world and follow God. To turn from self-sufficiency to relying on God. And Jesus made a way for his followers to do that by providing us with the Holy Spirit. But we live in a world that is physical. We live in a world that denies the spiritual even exists. And so sometimes we buy into that with our faith as well. We read in John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world doesn't know the spirit of truth. The world doesn't recognize the spirit, doesn't see the spirit, doesn't even acknowledge the spirit. So when we live as Christians seeking the spirit, well, how does that look to the world? Well, 
a little crazy. So maybe we pull back and make our faith look a little more rational to make it more appealing to people is how we justify it. And in doing so, we're pulling back from God because we're pulling back from the Holy Spirit. We pull back from the helper that God gave us to live the way Jesus wants and we turn to living our own way. We're not making our faith look better. We're actually turning our back on our faith when we turn our back on the Holy Spirit, when we ignore the Holy Spirit. But here's a secret our world won't acknowledge. We don't just live in a physical world. We live in a deeply spiritual world. We even use that language at times, like the spirit of Christmas. And there's many spirits in our world. The spirits of power, spirit of wealth, spirit of sin, spirit of self-sufficiency. There are spirits of lying and deceit. There's all sorts of spirits in this world, whether they're reflective of our broken spirits as humans who are spiritual beings, along with being physical beings, or actual spirits and demonic forces in the world. They're a reality. And I need to tell you, if you're saying, well, Mike, it's easy to preach that. I need to tell you, I have practically experienced as a pastor dealing with this. And every time that happens, it's like a kick to the head, like, whoa, this is real. Because we get into this mindset of the physical world and fitting into our world. We forget that we're in the spiritual reality that is far greater than our physical world. The Apostle Paul knew this. This is why he wrote to the Ephesians, where we read in his letter, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the struggle we all face, the struggle against the powers of this dark world. And if we turn from the Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate, our counselor, if we ignore the Holy Spirit, we're not even in the battle. We're giving up. We read in Scripture this morning in 1 John 4, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We live in a world where we can be lulled into believing spirits that are not from God. We can listen to the messages we want to hear. We can find a truth that agrees with us. But that does not mean it is of God. John points out these spirits and continues in verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak their viewpoint in the world and the world listens to them. John is letting us know we don't have to buy into the world's message. The spirits of the world, we don't have to listen to them, agree to them, or even acknowledge them in the sense of saying, yeah, you're right. Because we have a greater spirit than anything in this world. Because we are from God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So don't listen to the message of the spirits of the world because they're not from him. Instead, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into heaven and will one day return. But he did not leave us alone. He gave us a helper, an advocate, a guide in this world so we can know the truth of God. How? Because the very Spirit of God has been given to you and me. Imagine that. 
God loves you so much. Not only did he send his son into the world to die on the cross and save us from our sins, God loves you so much that he has never left you alone, but has given you his spirit to be present with you always. There's no question on that. We have been given the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God's part in this is certain. The Spirit is there for us. The question is instead, what are we doing with the Holy Spirit in our lives? You see, it's not enough to say that you believe in the triune God. What is needed is you to live in relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of James, we see James addressing the role of works and deeds. And people argue about this. And the role of works and deeds in faith. And he says, but someone will say you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. What is the difference between us and the demons? We all acknowledge there is one God. The difference is whether we live out that knowledge by being in a relationship with the one true God. A relationship that God has pursued with us throughout history. Just as we've tried to turn away. You see, sin did separate us from God. But God still loved us and still wanted to be in a relationship with us and pursued us again and again and again. Before sin, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. But we sinned and separated ourselves from God. In the exodus from Egypt, God made his presence known through the pillar of fire and cloud that guided Israel. God's glory was known to be present in the tabernacle and temple until once again sin drove Israel from God. God sin drove Israel from being following God. And we read in Ezekiel's book that the glory of God left the temple due to the idolatry of Israel. God was trying to make himself present and known, and we keep turning from that. But eventually God took the step of sending a son into the world, fully human and fully divine. Jesus walked among us, had relationship with us in a way unknown for God and humanity since the Garden of Eden. But again, sin caused problems. And the sins of the world were born by Jesus, and the sin of people opposed to Jesus caused them to crucify him on a cross. But he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, but not before promising to send the Holy Spirit until he one day returned. That Holy Spirit that is promised for each and every believer. The Holy Spirit who is our helper, our advocate, our counselor. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that guide us towards God and help us follow Jesus. And the question that we have to ask, is history going to keep repeating itself in our lives? Will we keep insisting on doing things our way and ignoring the very presence of God available to us in our lives or will we humble ourselves and depend on the Holy Spirit daily, listening for the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, trusting the Spirit? My friends, this is not a light, light switch experience, but something that takes practice, just like any relationship takes practice and time to nurture. We are so enmeshed in the world around us, it takes time for us to learn to recognize and trust the Holy Spirit as the Spirit faithfully speaks to each of us. I hope you'll join us in working towards that as a church family, being a people dependent on the Holy Spirit.
for the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that God, through the Holy Spirit that God teaches us who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to be followers of Jesus. We cannot be that without the power of Spirit at work in our lives, without us listening to what the Spirit is calling us to. So that's why we're going to explore the Holy Spirit this fall. And there's two sides to this. One is deepening our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is as a part of the triune God. But we cannot afford to stop there, my friends. Because this is about relationship. And we hope the deeper understanding will translate into a deeper relationship with the triune God. A deeper ability to listen and be present with the Holy Spirit. To help with that, we're adding something on Sunday nights that'll be streamed on the internet on our Facebook and YouTube channels. It's something called Reflect. So many of our prayer times are about speaking. God, I want this. God, I need this. God, do this. We rarely stop and listen, or if we do, it's a... Okay, that was awkward. (laughs) We're not very good with silence, are we? (laughs) But that's how we listen, is in silence. In reflection. Prayer is a two-way communication. And we need to work on the listening. So this reflect... These reflect episodes are to help us create space to help us to listen. So every Sunday night at 7 p.m., we're going to be streaming a prayer time for you every week. You can pray with us live at 7 p.m. or whenever works for you during the week. And there's prompts, and then you pause the video as long as you need. So there's no end point unless you set it. You can use it daily if you want to or just once a week. The idea is to help us practice listening to the Spirit. And over the weeks, we'll build on it. We'll change it up a little bit with what questions we're asking to prompt prayer. Find what works for you. I pray that we'll be a church known for our dependence on the triune God. Known for trusting him. Trusting Jesus and relating to Jesus through the Holy Spirit that God has given us. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, you promised the Holy Spirit to us. What an incredible gift. You even told us that we're better with the Holy Spirit than with you. Because each of us has your presence with us all the time. Lord, help us not to keep trying to do everything ourselves. It gets so tiring. but to root our lives in you and to let your spirit speak to us, to encourage us, to affirm us. Speak to us, Lord. We are your servants and we want to listen more. In your name we pray, amen.